the last line is this. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. See, the shepherds shared that very first Christmas message, didn't they? Now, how many of you got a, a service plan out there in the back and saw this sermon title and thought that is the most unoriginal sermon title I've seen in my life? At least six people will actually read ahead. <laughs> a Christmas message. And on that Christmas evening, those shepherds shared the Christmas message. Well, speaking of messages, by a show of hands, how many at some point this weekend sent a text message? If you're under the age of 10, or if you're over the age of 10, I should say, you probably have, or at least have been involved in it, right? Maybe you're trying to figure out your Christmas plans, or um, someone braved Walmart for you, and you're sending them, don't forget the fill-in-the-blank. Um, but the point is that lots of Christmas texts are going to be flying this weekend, and a lot of them are going to be flying tomorrow. Billions is what all the, the people who count those sorts of things do. They say there are going to be billions of Merry Christmas text messages sent tomorrow. Which are you thinking? How much do we really know about this thing that we use all the time? Texting. This evening, um, I think that texting has a few things to teach us about Christmas. What you were expecting to hear tonight, was it? Well, um, first, is this. One, the right time. In, um, in business and in innovation and um, inventions, there's this idea that's called the timing of technology, which simply just means that it matters when something is invented. At the right time, it'll take off, but at the right time, it's just gonna be a blip on the radar. Here's an example. We don't need this tonight because it's kind of warm outside, but this is the, any guesses? Yeah, exactly. Um, like the woodpecker face. I don't know. This is the blizzard mask invented in 1939. Why didn't this thing take off? Because <laughs> at the time when people are starting to be able to buy nicer clothes and more custom clothes for cheaper, and people are starting to care about fashion, and I'm going to be wearing this, are you? Nowadays, it might actually be a hit, who knows? Giant red shoes. Um, the opposite is also true. How many in this room, particularly gals, wanted or used to have one of these things? The easy bake oven. Is anyone getting one for Christmas this year? No, parents, don't raise your hands. They're kids are here. Why did the easy bake oven take off? Because little girls wanted to be like their moms and wanted to bake. And it was this, there's some external factors that made it the right time for this to be invented. Makes sense. Well, the first text message dates back to, anyone know or have an idea? I heard 19 something. Yeah, that's that's 1992, when a 22-year-old engineer by the name of Neil Packworth 
sent the very first text message. The point's this. If texting were invented in the 1980s when cell phones really weren't adopted, when there weren't cell towers to carry the messages, would texting have taken off like it did? We don't know. But the timing is important, even though there's like cell phones like four brick pounds. Some of you remember the four pound bricks that some people run around with. But the timing was important, wasn't it? In the very next year, Nokia built texting into their, their, um, their phone so that people could begin to text. The point is that the timing or the advent or the coming of something is really important. And that's precisely the case with the birth of Jesus. Here we see in Galatians chapter 4, four the Bible says this. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons. The phrase says, the fullness of time. When the fullness of time had come. Now what's that word fullness mean? Completely and totally. Right? When it's ready. When the time was full. Now, in our modern in, in our modern English, we have one word for time, and it's time. In the, the language in which the Bible was written in Greek, there are different words for time. One, it was uh, the word kairos, which kind of um, talks to a season of time. In the same way, we might say, hey, it's Christmas time, when we're referring to the month of December. It's Christmas time. Whereas, there's another word, and it's chronos, which means a specific moment in time. A definite moment. For example, tomorrow is Christmas. Well, which one do you think the Bible uses in this Galatians chapter 4 passage? It's the one chronos. It's talking about a very specific moment in time. At the perfect moment when God himself, who by the way could have chosen any moment in all of the thousands and thousands and thousands of years of human history, he chose one specific moment for Jesus Christ to be born. The God of all purpose, who's, in who's over and above and transcendent of all time, chose one specific moment to send Jesus. Which makes you wonder, why? But the Bible doesn't specifically tell us but earlier in Luke chapter 2, in the birth of Jesus, the story, says that Caesar Augustus, he was a big, bad Roman leader, the emperor, he sent out a decree that all the world should be registered. That's strong language. It's saying that all the world. He was in charge of almost all the world. Why? Because there was consolidated power. There was one really strong government. Some of us have heard the phrase Pax Romana, or the, the Roman peace. And whenever you have peace, people are trading. And in order to trade, you gotta, you got to have those Amazon and Walmart um, cards that go like that really obnoxious, that new sound that's on the back of it. You need to have roads right, to carry goods and to carry news. And during this time, the Romans had some 70,000 miles of roads. Now here in the States, like, okay, like, we have millions and millions and millions. 
but from where we're sitting right now, Orlando, Florida is 1,000 miles. So you take that up and down 70 times, and that's what the Romans had. Translation is just simply this. God sent his son at a moment in time when there was relative peace on the earth, when there were roads to carry the news of this Jesus, and when there was a common language that people all across those areas could understand what it meant that Jesus was born. You saw that in verse 5. God sent his son. Why? To redeem people. You see that in just a moment. So at this, the perfect time, there was an infrastructure to share the Christmas message with the whole world. The second thing is that texting kind of impacts the whole life, doesn't it? Who here scheduled a meal, conducted business, or you know, uh, messaged the loved one, or sent one of those gifts or gifs or whatever they're really supposed to be called? It has permeated all aspects of our lives, hasn't it? And so it ought to be with Christmas. And for this, we get our lesson from what Rich read to us out of Luke chapter 2. When the angels brought the news to the shepherds there in the field. So if you're, you still have your Bibles open, this is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be assigned to you. To you. you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, as if that's not sign enough. Down to verse 15. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And that down to verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. See here, we see the shepherds do four things. Did you catch them? The first was they made their intent known. They stated their purpose. They said, the Lord has made something known to us, so we must go. But that phrase is really interesting. You see, the, the shepherds, they're kind of just chilling up in a field watching their sheep. And God made something known to them. He didn't ask their consent to tell them this Christmas message, did he? They just... And all these angels show up. Oh, it's interesting, texting used to only be one way, too. And in a sense, that's what we see here. God sent a one-way communication to the shepherds. Maybe you're here and you've been thinking about the Lord a whole lot recently and saying, you know what, maybe Christmas time will be a good time to reconnect. You feel like the Lord's been chasing you or has maybe begun to make things known to you, kind of like the shepherds on that Christmas night. May I plead with you to, like the shepherds, respond, begin a conversation, say something. And just come before and say, but you made that known to the shepherds, will you make it known to me as well? Will you make known what you have for me to make it known to me? The flip side is also true. Some of us may have been like, 
drives here or here out of obligation. And may I just um, let you know that God does not need our consent to begin to tell us or to begin to get our attention. We can try to walk him out sometimes, can't we? But he does not need our consent. So if you think that God might be trying to get your attention, may I ask you to pay attention. Two, they went with haste. You see, they, they moved quickly. This is one situation where haste is not going to make waste. They obey without second-guessing. As soon as they knew what they ought to have done, as soon as they knew that they must obey, they must carry this message, they do it immediately. So it is for us today, isn't it? If we know what the Bible says and how we ought to live, shame on us if we take too long to obey. Third. So they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. They just kept sharing it, and sharing it, and sharing it. And for others in this room, maybe that's the thing. Share the wonderful news that God has come, and he's taken on human flesh to become like us in order to save us, to share the best news. And fourth, we saw in verse 20. Now, this is really interesting. They return to their normal way of life. They go back to the mundane work of watching the sheep, shearing the sheep, hard work, but they do something differently in that every day, don't they? It says they're glorifying and praising God. You see that wonderful news that encountered them, and when they responded to it, they couldn't go back to their everyday life in quite the same way. They go back to it. But it's a little bit different. They're glorifying and praising God in everything in their mundane life as they return back to life. Like texting has touched many of our lives, the mundane and the big. I pray that the gospel friendship community church will touch all elements of our work, of our family, of our entire lives. And the third thing, I think that texting has for us to learn about Christmas is this. Neil Papworth, he was that guy who sent the first message. 25 years later, he said this. It didn't feel momentous at all. He had no idea what he just was done. And so it is with Christmas, isn't it? You're in a in Luke chapter 1, just a, a page before what we had read, the angel Gabriel shows up to Mary, the mother of Jesus, to tell her what's about to happen. And this is what the angel says to Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. 
you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. He will reign, how long? Forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The kingdom of this little teeny tiny baby will continue forever. And it started with the humble beginning. What was the sign given to the shepherds? You're going to find him in the feeding trough of a manger. And it leaves us with a, a question this evening, doesn't it? Am I, are you, part of that kingdom that's going to last forever? Of the everlasting kingdom? Or am I working to build my own kingdom, my own destiny, trying to figure out how to squeeze all the purpose out of my life that I can squeeze out. I'm telling you, there's one way to make our 60, 70, or by reason strength, 80 or 90 years on this earth of purpose. And that's to cling to the eternal kingdom that will outlast everything. We've kind of seen what texting has become, haven't we? But do you know what this kingdom ultimately becomes? I'm going to read three verses from the book of Revelation. That which is a, will happen one day in the future. So I invite you to go ahead and close your eyes for just a moment and picture what I read. So if you'll close your eyes. After this, I looked. And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, who is Jesus, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb to Jesus, and all the angels were standing around the throne. And then open up your eyes. All the angels, remember those angels who shared, who heralded Jesus' birth at the beginning to the shepherds? Those angels are going to stand before the throne of this little, no longer baby, but of the King Jesus once again forever and ever and worship Him. That what is ultimately going to become of the Christmas message, of what those angels once told. Now some of you might be wondering, why on earth were we talking about texting this evening? Well, do you know what the very first text message ever sent? You know what it said? Merry Christmas. And it's interesting to me that on the advent, or the start of the most widely used communication tool in the world today, it started with Merry Christmas. After all, you know, everything in the universe revolves around Merry Christmas, doesn't it? It revolves around the little baby who is the king 
of the whole universe. The Bible says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Invisible and visible, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You see, the birth of Jesus Christ came at just the right moment in time, the perfect moment when the news, this Christmas message could begin to penetrate all of the world. And when it penetrates, it should penetrate all elements or aspects of our lives. So I find it fascinating that so much of our world tries to minimize it, doesn't it? Tries to minimize the Christmas message. It's undeniable that it must impact everything. And the birth of Christ may not have seen I can't even say the word. Huge. Massive. The biggest order of magnitude you can imagine at the time, but it was and it still is. And Hapworth said this, the, the guy who sent that first text. In 1992, I had no idea just how popular texting would become. And that this would give rise to emojis and messaging apps used by millions, actually billions. Looking back with hindsight, it's clear to see that the Christmas message I sent was a pivotal moment in mobile history. Looking back with hindsight, I hope it's clearer for you all to see that the Christmas message is the pivotal moment in all of human history. So as you send a text this week, may those, that concept, those words, that gospel truth ring clear in your mind that the Christmas message is the pivotal moment in all of human history. we wrap up our time together this evening, we have a tradition here at FCC of lighting our final candle of the Advent season, the Christ candle, and singing Silent Night by Candlelight. It was Jesus himself who said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So now, looking to Jesus as our source of all light and all life, I now light this candle on the last day of Advent, to remind us that Christ, the light of the world, has come to bring us salvation. moment, our ushers will come forward and from this single light, this Christ candle, we will proceed to illuminate the entire room. And our hope here this evening is that you would use this beautiful moment as a reminder that Jesus Christ is the true and only source of eternal life, and that he has come so that his light may become our life.
Okay, I'll invite the ushers forward now as they begin their work. And as they come, just a practical tip for you all as you prepare to receive your light. The person with the lit candle should hold the fire straight, okay? Lit candle straight up and down. And you'll tip the unlit candle that you want to light to receive the light. Good? Lit candle up and down. Unlit candle receives the light from its wick. The ushers will begin making their way throughout the congregation and will be singing Silent Night shortly. And so we uh, invite you to take some time looking around and being reminded that Jesus Christ is the only light of the world.